This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Welcome to Hey, Great Shot. This is the Great Shot Podcast, a Crack Rackets and Tennis Channel Podcast Network production. My name is Alex Gruskin. As you listeners know, it's Monday, which means we're talking ATP Challenger Tour here on the Great Shot Podcast. In particular, hosts Damian Kust and Jakob Babaro come back onto the show to break down another fantastic week of Challenger action on this week's episode. They try to determine the upside of Julio Cesar Porras. They break down the results from the post non-challenger, and they debate Yuri Vesely's ideal surface. They also had the opportunity to speak with a couple of players this week in Poland. In particular, Damien had the chance to chat with Botik Vandesen, sculpt with Zdenek Kolar, Alexander Vukic, and Alexander Shevchenko last week during that Poland challenger. All of those conversations are found on today's show. It is a fantastic episode that I know all of you listeners are going to enjoy, of course, before before we get to it, I have to remind all of you that the reason we're able to do this day in, day out, week in, week out here at the Great Shop Podcast is because of the support we get from all of you listeners, from our Crack Rackets Patreon family, and of course, from our friends over at Turn of Tennis. It's the best grip in the business, folks. Why are you using anything else other than that ideal, iconically trademarked blue color Turn of Tennis grip? Of course, if you aren't and would like to join the family ASAP, you can contact turn by emailing sales at uniquesports.com or calling 800-554-3707 you mentioned we here at cracked racket sent you they'll hook you up with discounted pricing hook you up with some free samples as well most importantly treat you like family so again to join the turn of tennis family today contact sales at uniquesports.com or call 800-554-3707 with that said Let's get to another episode. Damian Kust and Jakob Babro breaking down all of the action on the ATP Challenger Tour. Westoff, roll the credits. Let's get to today's show. Who's your trusted source when it comes to your facility questions, concerns, and needs? Ours is Hard True, the world's largest manufacturer of tennis court surfaces, equipment, and accessories for over 90 years. Partner with their trusted team of experts, along with collegiate greats Jamie Loeb, Alex Rybakov, and Dustin Taylor to bring the service provider of over 30 professional events annually to your facility. Whether it's the red clay of the Houston ATP, the green clay courts of the Charleston WTA, or the official hard court of World Team Tennis, Hard True has you covered. If you're looking to build a court, convert a hard court to clay, or simply resurface your hard court, work together with Hard True in their mission to lead the tennis industry by creating better places to play. 
To learn more about their state-of-the-art surfaces, along with their catalog customizable on-court accessories, check out hardtrue.com or call 877-442-7878 today. That's hardtrue.com or 877-442-7878 today. Welcome to the next episode of the Challenge Digital Podcast. I'm once again joined by, by my friend Jakub. He was actually on pretty heavy duty this week because he had to watch uh, <laughs> Segovia, Lexington and Trieste while I was busy in Poznań. Uh, you know, I, I caught a few matches of these of these three events, but did uh, did you manage to to watch Poznań uh, too, or, or did you focus on those? Yeah, I mean, I. <laughs> I, I tried my best because I've been watching the Olympics pretty heavily. I've been waking up at horrible times to watch the swimming, um, <laughs> which starts at 2.30 in the morning, um, and sort of tried to catch like, like all of the all of the Slovaks whenever they have like a chance to win a medal, which they, they've, they've done three times, which is better probably what I expected after you know five days to the Olympics. But that's not what this podcast is about. It's about Challenger Tour Tennis, and you were at Challenger Tour Tennis this week. Yes, uh, I was in Poznan. This was actually my first challenger in uh, almost two years, I think. Uh, Bernabe Zapata Miralesh really lived up to the to the status of the top seed in in Poznan. Uh, that's his second challenger title of the year. Uh, actually, you know, during the week he was not that impressive. I thought. I mean, the 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 the, the first uh, we sort of talked about Kimer Kopejans being a potential banana skin. Then yeah. he just completely destroyed him, 6-1, 6-1. But then lost a set to Moraing, and the semi-final against Popko was just a, an absolute thriller. And I, I really have no idea how Zapata Miralesh won that. I mean, he was down 1-6, 1-4, and 15-40. Uh, definitely not playing his best, but, but I mean, Popko's counter-punching was just too good. Uh, the way he can just defend with that flat backhand and hit it from like an open stance, the counters, it was it, it was just fantastic. And then Popko just disappeared for, for, for like almost a set and a half. And then he somehow almost clawed his way back in because Zapata Miralesh was getting really, really tired physically, like all, all week. Every journalist was asking Izzy Lecheczka if he was going to be fine physically because he played, you know, obviously we talked about Tampere last week and then he played here singles and doubles all the way. But it was actually Sapata Miraj who, who was my who was a concern for me in terms of his physicality because against Popko really he started breathing so heavily. I really didn't think he had it in himself to, you know, to, to, to still win that much. But he somehow did. And then played a fantastic game in the finals. Like after after the semis, he he actually said that if he plays like that tomorrow, he's gonna lose in 20 minutes. And he definitely didn't do that. He actually won in like an hour or something. Uh, it it was quite surprising, really, that 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 after a terrible performance like that, he was gonna able to, uh, you know, he was able to uh, find probably one of his best matches of the season. Honestly, I mean, he was just pretty much flawless, like definitely, you know, Lecheczka's style is so much different to Popko's, so, so he played a lot more defense. Maybe that's what the, that's what also helped him, just not, not, not having to dictate, you know, lead the play himself. But I mean, 
it's also not the first time he's done it this year. Like at, at Ron Garros, there was that first round match he played against Kirian Jacquet, I think. Uh, that was absolutely terrible. And then he went on to qualify with two very great, good performances. Coincidentally, actually, one of them was against Dimitri Popko. So I don't know. He just has a very good uh, you know, ability to rebound after a terrible performance and start playing very well again. Uh, yeah, and getting very close to the top 100 now. It's like 40 points, I think. What did you think of, of Zapata Milaj this week? Yeah, I mean, as you said, he he didn't really have great performances uh, after the Copians win, but the final, it was very straightforward. I mean, Lechka didn't really impress me much uh, in the final, to be honest. But it was difficult conditions, pretty rainy. Uh, throughout the match, as, as I'm sure you felt. <laughs> uh, it's, it's his third challenger title, uh, second this year. So pretty good week for, uh, I mean, pretty good. He won the title. Pretty, <laughs> pretty impressive week for uh, Zapata Miraez, um, confirming his seeding as the top seed. Uh, we should also talk about somebody who was not on my radar, radar at all before this tournament, Alexander Shevchenko of Russia. He's 20 years old, made the semifinals here as a qualifier. Uh, I was I was sort of went back and forth on him where when I saw him qualify I was uh, kind of impressed by his run you know beat Jeffrey Blancano six two six love and Evan Furness six four six two after his after his first two rounds uh, I saw that he beat Lau Borg seven five six two which against Borg not the most impressive scoreline uh, there's guys on the challenge tour who beat him much much easier than that and I didn't see his match against Aipovic but it looked like a real struggle a third set tiebreaker. And then he goes out and beats Zdeny Kolash. Um, so what did you think of, of Shevchenko? Yeah, I, he also wasn't really on my radar. Like if you asked me who Alexander Shevchenko was, I was I would probably tell you about the win over Chirundolo in January, but like not much else. And when I when I tweeted that I was that I was going into Poznań, there was a guy, uh, I don't know if he's gonna listen to this, but uh, shout out to Gonzalo if he if he's listening. Uh, he actually said that I should pay attention to Shevchenko. And yeah. I like he was so deep down the alternate list that at this moment I didn't even realize he was there. Like I don't think I, you know, I think I just saw the name on the list and I didn't really like I was like, who uh, I don't know. Like didn't really didn't really care. And then I saw him beating, as you mentioned, Blanca No Fairness. And that's that was when I really started paying attention to the guy. That's also that's I think that's a good moment to plug it, where I made uh, a short interview. This is with him. This is after he uh, qualified for the tournament. I I believe that 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 was a moment when no one, you know, no one at the venue really knew him. Like he was just wandering around, <laughs> uh, and I was able to talk to him. So here you go. Uh, first of all, congratulations for making the main draw. Uh, were you surprised to beat, uh, you know, guys like Fernes or Blanca not so easily? Yes, a little bit because uh, they're pretty good players already playing a long time on Challenger Tour, and uh, yeah, I was surprised with my performance these two days, and I'm really happy about it. Uh, this is your first Challenger Tour event. Do you already feel like you know it's more prestigious? Yeah, and... of course. Here, I think especially here, the organization is very, very nice. I think. And uh, it feels uh, very different uh, from futures to challenges with the organization. And you feel a little bit like a tennis player here. <laughs> uh, 
Uh, great. And uh, in January, you defeated Juan Manuel Cerundolo yeah. on the ITF Tour. And since then, he not only he, became, became a Challenger Tour champion, but also in a Tour-level event. And does it somehow fuel you? Like, do you feel like the, you know, the elite is not that far because of that win and because of what you Yeah, what you I thought, uh, like, uh, I finally, like, understand that in tennis, everything is close. And uh, maybe you have one lucky week and then you are more confident and then... Uh, you're gonna play better and better on big events and make more points so it gave me a lot of also confidence that if i can beat these guys and they're winning atp so i can maybe also uh, okay and lastly you were kind of far down on the alternate list like what was your, your plan b in case you didn't uh, make it there was no plan b <laughs> the plan b was going home to vienna for practicing and uh, but lucky i got in and i passed the quality so i'm very happy about it Thanks for, thanks for Thank you so much. And good luck tomorrow. Thank you. Yeah, I don't know if you if you can hear that from the from uh, you know from the interview, but he he's he's a very nice guy. Definitely was a bit stunned with how much prestige and how much attention like the the, the tournament gets compared to his ITF experiences, which is. You know, it was his challenger to debut. That, that that has to be said, which is you know reaching the semis in that is obviously uh, super impressive. As you mentioned, the collar win was just after Ayub, after he beat Ayupovich. I also didn't really expect much against against someone like Collar, and like all week I was kind of waiting for him to finally you know meet someone who's gonna be way out of his range. He kind of did in the semis. But I mean, it's it's still super interesting to see what he's gonna do next. The guy is an extremely solid player. The the in in the stands throughout the week was uh, there was our uh, grandson doubles champion from 1978, Wojtek Fibak, and he kept calling him a monster. <laughs> I don't know if, the, if that's you know the most reliable tennis commentary, but I mean, he really is a sort of a monster. He's great physically and. Just the just the way he can metho- play very methodical tennis from the from the baseline. Also, an underrated aspect, I think, already. If you can say that something is underrated about the guy that's not that well known is his serve, because in his first three matches in the main draw he had twenty three aces. But uh, I mean, that's you know that the, the underrated aspect probably comes from the fact that the second is a, is is a bit of a liability. But a very interesting run, and you know, sometimes when you go to a challenger and there's a surprise semi-finalist, like you're just not you're not happy with that because you know that one semi is going to be poor. That's definitely not what I felt with Shevchenko. Like I, uh, maybe because of the interview, I definitely grew. Uh, you know, I, I definitely admired him and and waited to. I wanted to see more of him. Uh, I I I had something, but I I keep forgetting what it is. I mean, <laughs> uh, ah, Leo Borg, because you mentioned him. Uh, yes, uh, the the match against Leo Borg was actually kind of good. I mean, I was very surprised that Leo has that level in himself. Like the the, the first set, they were really going toe to toe, and when I saw the, the the odds before the match, it was actually quite laughable because Shevchenko was such a huge favorite. Like for a guy that that's playing his first challenger to challenger to, challenger to event, I know it's Leo Borg. I mean, uh, I, I know I know how. Yeah, he's I mean, doing. If, if, there, if there's any draw that you want to get in your first challenger to event, it's Leo Borg too. Yeah, I mean, it, it wasn't very, very really, it wasn't really his draw to, in the first place, right? Right, because Ugo Gaston was 
mm. uh, was the one who had Leo Borg, but then 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 withdrew. But I mean, the the, the draw was perfect for Shevchenko to reach that quarter, and I think after after seeing him qualify, I definitely expected him to because he he played Leo Borg and then another qualifier. But the win over Zdenek Kolash is definitely something that that stood out again, uh, about the guy. Uh, he's actually uh, he lives in Vienna and is somehow par- I, I i didn't know that at the time when i was interviewing him so but he's at least part-time coached by ginter bresnik oh, wow. uh, i saw a photo from like three or four years ago of him bresnik gulbis and team for example so you know that maybe that kind of explains how how good the guy is two weeks ago he won or three weeks ago at this point he won a 25k in valenia so definitely not out of nowhere and once again shout out to gonzalo who was a wizard and <laughs> for for some reason he was just able to predict uh, a very surprising semi-finalist and so 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 he predicted it um before the before the call even, even started yeah. i think maybe it was the first set of uh, shevchenko blancano but i'm i'm not i'm not positive <laughs> definitely shevchenko wasn't you know i don't know like 6 to 5 0 up over blancano that, that, that was not the case no that's that's really wild um yeah we, we should we should probably talk about somebody that usually Hechka also beat at this tournament second seed botik van de Zanskulp who um, beat the home wildcard Daniel Michalski in straight sets Emilian Zekic um, and then lost to Lahechka quite easily. So what did you think of, of his week in Poznan? Yeah, I, I, I wasn't too impressed, honestly. Uh, this is, I think, where we're going to plug uh, a short two-minute interview with, with him. Uh, this is actually after his first round match against Daniel Michalski. So the first question refers to Michalski. And then, you know, then you're going to find out uh, uh, everything else next. Uh, so congratulations on your, on your, on your victory. Uh, was it a tough game for you? What did you think about the opponent yesterday? Uh, I think I started pretty well with 4-0. And mm-hmm. uh, then I relaxed a little bit, I have to say. Uh, it was dangerous because he came back. Back to 4-2. Um, but I think overall I played a played an okay match. And as to say, the other guy is a little bit unpredictable. Uh, he went went quite a lot forward to the net, and he played played pretty aggressive. Um, yeah, in the end, I'm happy with him. You've already defeated three of Poland's four best singles this year: uh, Kamil Majszak, Hubert Hurkacz, and Daniel Michalski. Uh, why do you keep doing that to us? And are you going to hunt down Kacperzuk next? I don't know. The only time I played Kasper Suk, I lost against him. Uh, in Stockholm, yes, two years yeah. ago. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I want to get a revenge. It's nice, but I don't know. Um, I have to say, I always play good against Polish. Uh, I don't know why, but uh, yeah, this, this year I do. So, okay. so and last one, uh, you, you and Talon Grigsburg are both very close to the top 100 right now. You are also fighting for the title of the Dutch number one. Is it like some sort of a friendly race that you look at? And who do you think gets there first? Um, I have to say he's close right now. He's one on the five or something. I don't mm-hmm. know. Um, but I prefer to be top under than to be number one of Holland. So okay. I hope I hope he gets there. And yeah, we'll see. Thank you. Yeah. Good luck tomorrow. Yeah, and as as you heard, he's he's actually been 
uh, on the hunt for polls this year because he's already defeated Hurkacz, Mike Schack and Daniel Michalski. <laughs> and I actually, I actually asked him whether, you, know, you, you heard that, but I actually asked him whether he was going to hunt down Kacper Zuk next. Uh, and I mean, he has one match in the history in his history against Zhuk that he lost. So he he replied that he was he had to take revenge. So you know, Zhuk, Zhuk, Zhuk is probably shitting his pants right now. But anyhow, uh, I don't know. The guy just seemed very negative on the court. You know, mm-hmm. it, it's this stuff you don't really pick up on when watching you know a stream or or on TV. But I don't know. He just never really seemed pleased with his game, despite what he said in the interview that he that he felt like the the game against Michalski was great. And I definitely felt that even though he had two very straightforward wins against Michalski and Sekic, I definitely felt like uh, you know he must step up in order to beat Lehechka, and he definitely didn't do that because I mean. You know, even though seven 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 five six three doesn't really sound like much, I don't know. It it just wasn't the Van der Zandshoop that that we know the the, the powerhouse. Even uh, you know you could you could uh, say that you know it's clay. It's not his best surface, but I mean in Amersfoort two weeks ago we definitely saw that best version of of Botic Van der Zandshoop. So I uh, I don't know you know what was what was going on here, but but I I, I wasn't as impressed with him as I thought that I would be like that, 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 that wasn't the best version of him. I was very impressed with Kikervo. Uh, that guy is really an amazing form at the moment. And I, 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 you know, the loss to Popko was just all on physicality. Like Kiker is, he has played like a billion of matches recently after obviously not competing for a while. Uh, and Popko simply managed to get him get him gassed at the at the end of that match, uh, but 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 I was very impressed with what Kikar showed in in his wins over Furness and then over, obviously I'm forgetting despite watching it live, uh, Manuel Guinard, yeah, exactly. Uh, and then 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 the 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 loss to Popko really was just a matter of exhaustion. Uh, but I, but I think Kikar could could really have a a fantastic rise up the rankings soon. The, for so many players, the one-hander is is a weakness, some sort of a liability that you can ex- that you can expose. But he's just so consistent with it, and you know, also the forehand is a, such a great clay court tool that you can use to, you know, w- without much risk, you simply have a very a very easy way of dominating the rallies. So I, I'm really looking forward to seeing Kicker more. Uh, Probably soon, uh, even in ATP events, because honestly, he's he's that good. I actually wanted to to ask him something, but I I, I didn't find a, a chance to. I wanted to ask him, you know, if he felt like his level at the moment is anything comparable to what he had before the, you know, before the suspension, because to me it's really not that far off. But maybe maybe you know maybe it's just recency better. bias. Hmm? Yeah, it, it seems almost better. But but Kiket, I mean, considering how good he is at the moment and how low down he is in the rankings still, still outside the top 300, uh, I think that he could actually be an early shout for um, like one of the best players on the Challenger Tour next year. Because, um, I mean, obviously he's going to have to keep playing Challengers for a while to build up that ranking at least a full 12, uh, full, full 12 months of Challenger. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it was so South, I think Af- he's, South he's, America, right? Yeah, 
I mean, like, like he's somebody that I think we're going to see a lot of next year. Um, somebody that we should also mention because there is an interview with this guy is Alexander Vukic, who, yes, who also lost to Yirji Lajka. We could mention him also because of the doubles. Oh, yes. Um, yeah. I, because, I forgot about yeah, in, in the, I actually did the, the interview with him after his quarterfinal in doubles. So uh, you know you can listen to that you can listen to that exactly now. Uh, you know he was playing with Karol Zhivetsky, so the the first two 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 questions refer to that, and then I asked him about his singles career as well. Here it is. Uh, so congratulations, first of all. Uh, before this week, you hadn't played doubles since March. So why did you, why did you decide to do it here, and how did you team up with Karol? He uh, he messaged me and was like, "You want to play some dubs?" And uh, you know, my, my body was finally healthy that I trusted enough to go both singles and doubles. And I knew he was from the hometown here, so I knew it was going to be good fun. And um, it is, so we're just enjoying it. And um, hopefully, have a good match tomorrow as well. Uh, did he teach you how to pronounce his surname? No, I have no idea how to say his surname. <laughs> I'm cool. just I just call him Carol. Yeah, uh, that's cool. Uh, and I have one more question about your singles career, actually, yeah. because you know your game with all the power is more natural. You fit for fast surfaces. Yeah. And you know uh, you're playing a lot of clay right yeah. now. And do you feel like your game is up to speed on on red clay, right? uh, like compared to hard courts, or do you still expect to peak in the latter part of the season? No, I probably I expect to peak in hard court. Um, it just with the scheduling and everything, and um, you know coming from Australia, we can't go back home. So um, just with the scheduling this year, it made more sense to play on the clay. Um, otherwise, no, I do prefer hard court for sure. Yeah. Uh, I'm asking actually because last year when I watched you in like Prestayov or at yeah. Garros, you seemed very good on red clay, yeah. which is kind of weird for an Australian who yeah. played in college. Yeah. Yeah. Did you like practice on it a lot when as a junior in Europe? Or I, I practiced a little bit. I probably practiced it more um, than the other Aussies just because mm-hmm. I went um, I went to Spain for uh, a you, few you months. You started I, I trained, in Spain. Yeah. I trained over there, um, but you know I probably I, I trained more than the other Aussies, but still. Nowhere near as enough as other Europeans. So, um, but I mean, Prostyov and Ron Garros, I feel like are quicker, and they're more similar to hard court. I would say that's why I think I did so well over there. Uh, no, good luck tomorrow. If it's gonna be the second seat, then, then the second seat, then Carol is gonna have a lot of inside info yeah, on them. So yeah, I'm sure, I'm hopefully, sure. you're gonna. Yeah, uh, yeah sure. see you. Uh, thanks. Uh, yeah. Anyhow, as as you heard, I was pretty surprised that Vukic mentioned. Uh, Prostayov and Ron, uh, Prostayov and Ron Garros, you know the fact that he did there there so well on red clay, which is not his best surface, obviously, that they were pretty fast and played like hard courts. Because if you remember last year, you know the conditions at Ron Garros were like criticized for being so slow and like you know because of the the weather, because of when the season in which it, it was organized. So it was quite weird to to hear Vukic say that, but I don't know. Once once again, I'm gonna say that 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 Vukic seemed extremely nice. Maybe that's because of the you know just speaking English uh, as a mother tongue. So maybe 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 the other players somehow sometimes you know sound like they just they're just cannot really express their feelings. So obviously it's not the case with an Australian, but it was a bit of a relief to 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 talk to him honestly after after a couple of interviews with players that. No, their vocabularies didn't really have a wide range and they just went from good and well to to nice. Uh, but anyhow, Drzewiecki and Vukic made, you know, it was a, a first-time pairing this week and they they actually did pretty great. I mean, obviously Vukic isn't going to focus on, on his doubles career that much, 
but maybe if they maybe maybe if he ever comes to Poznan or to Poland, they're they're gonna play again. I I would definitely like to see Drzewiecki finding like a you know a, a partner that he's that he's just gonna play with full time because that's that's a double skill set that's that just can't go to waste in my opinion. Uh, they were serving incredibly well this week. Vukic definitely has some you know, more power in, in in his delivery, but Trzewiecki's top spin kick serve was 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 excellent really really doing a lot of tr- you know giving a lot of trouble to their opponents but they, they lost to Kolar Lehechka it, it was at, uh, you know, at that point it still seemed that Lehechka was going to be unbeaten because like he, he just couldn't lose uh, no matter no matter who was on the other side of the net no matter if it was singles or doubles he just really couldn't lose uh, an important thing to mention is that for Kolar Lehechka it was also their their first time uh, playing doubles together, but Lehechka actually won a challenger last uh, month in Milan with Vitko Shiva. So mm. you know, it's two two challengers in a row for him in doubles, and almost two challengers in a row for him in singles. Had he mm. defe- you know had he defeated Zapata Mirales, I am actually super surprised that they won the the doubles title because even watching their their first round match against uh, Ivan King and. Uh, was the name of Schnur, not Bryden, but the other guy? Max. Max. Max, yeah, exactly. And, you know, when you look, when you compare their volleying techniques, like Koran and Lehechka are just, you know, they're just singles players. Like they, they you know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, Zinia College has had like good results in doubles. I, I think exactly. his doubles ranking is actually higher, but. Uh, you, you, yeah, do you know Le- how Le- many Le- challenger titles Kolaj has in doubles? actually don't know like guess i'm going to guess like six (laughs) yeah it's 11. (laughs) 11. it's it's absolutely ridiculous like when when you compare him to i don't know we don't have to look far karol drzewiecki has it was his uh, no he was lost in the finals i think he has three Szczecin, Andrea, and monterey yeah and i don't know ruben gonzalez played this event and he has four like I, I have no idea how he does that. Like watching yeah, I mean, that he, match, he, he, he's like still so young as well. Yes, twenty four. So, uh, yeah. uh, and I mean, watching that match between in Kolar Lehechka and King Schnur, like you could just easily see that King and Schnur are doubles players. Like they, you know, they do that for a living. They just have these classic volleying mm-hmm. techniques. I don't know. They they poach so well, and then Kolar Lehechka go on to win. And I don't know. I was so shocked that Kolar has eleven. I, I mean, I remembered him playing with Golube, uh, with Andrei Golubev. So I, I expected a few, but definitely not this much. Like, I don't know. Uh, I really don't understand it, but the, they are super effective. They, 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 they may be. You know, when you're looking at them in terms of double skill, you're you're probably not gonna see much. But it's actually just a, you know a deception. <laughs> the, the, they are just really extremely effective both Kolar and Lehechka and you know it was their first time together but I, I'm sure there's going to be more Kolar likes playing with Czech players apparently uh, when I looked at these this list of his titles he scored them with Pavlasek, Rosol, Yebavi and also now with Lehechka so uh, so they're probably going to play together once more or, or uh, once more not once more the, the more uh, and there's a last interview we have for you, and it's with Zdenek Kolar. This is actually after his first round win against Jonas Foretek. 
uh, it's more in general terms, uh, not about the match. So, so I think we, you know, it doesn't really need more introduction. So. Here you go. Uh, so, first of all, uh, congratulations for the victory. And recently, there's been a lot of good things in, happening in just Czech tennis. Uh, the the runs of the Hedgeka, Kupiva. Do you all motivate each other to work harder and harder? I don't know. I'm not practicing very often with them, but we are really good friends. So, maybe uh, we are for long distance, we are trying to hard working. Everyone, me, there. So, yeah, the guys are playing really very well. I'm also feeling good in last month. Also today was was good match. I played uh, really good, I think, because it was not easy match. Jonas, he's a really good player. He's playing very fast, especially from his forehand. It's really dangerous. So, yeah, it was really tough match today. Uh, you've already won two challenges with titles this year. What helped you make the, make the jump from you know a quarterfinalist, a semifinalist to a title contender? I'd have to say maybe maybe I am now I'm uh, stronger than before. Maybe also my game is better than before. So I think the most important is that my I hope I hope that uh, my game is better than before, and that's why I I won some challengers. One of uh, the first tournament that you won in Irish was a challenger 50, the new category. How important was it for your confidence to you know, to win one and then to win bigger events? It was, was amazing for me because, because last time when I played the final in singles was maybe 2016, five, I think, yeah. five years ago. So and many people told me when I will play and another final. It's long time already, but it's tennis and uh, every everyone who is playing it's uh, really good really good players on tour and i'm feeling that every year it's much stronger the players are doing their best i think it doesn't matter if players it's 200 or 400 500 the level is the same just uh, especially in tennis every day is completely different so so I have to be uh, in confidence and focus on every match and I'm trying to do my best. So one last question. Uh, in Romania you defeated Ugo Gaston and then he obviously went on to reach the final in Stad. Uh, do you feel like a breakout run like that could be around the corner for you as well? Well, I told uh, the level it's so similar, depends on every day how players are feeling on court. Sometimes it's really close matches, so Sometimes it's uh, centi for centimeters if it's in mm. or out. So every point it's really, really important. And yeah, Hugo Gaston is a great player with an amazing touch. He's lefty, so he knows how to play. His forehand it's really dangerous. Can be so fast. Then can be really dangerous spin. So it was really tough match against him. Thank you and good luck in the next round. Yeah, and is there anything else that we that we need to talk about? What uh, <laughs> Elmar Yupovich from, from Poznan? Um, I mean, I, I don't really think that there's anything else to talk about in Poznan. Um, yeah. So, so we should probably move on to the other three tournaments. You just talked a whole lot. So you're yeah, my mouth water. is getting my mouth is getting <laughs> really dry. I will maybe say one more one more one more thing that. Well, uh, the polls went zero ten in sets in singles, which obviously isn't the best. 
uh, but the performances of our top juniors like Kashnikovsky and Torlikovsky were pretty promising. Maybe they're going to be better at Warsaw or uh, Szczecin later in the season. And, uh, you know, a fun thing that, uh, that I had the chance to do was definitely attend a press conference with Björn Borg. It actually didn't turn out to be that much of a press conference because he, he, he came with his friend, whom I mentioned before, Wojtek Fibak. Uh, they played seven matches together, uh, you know, between each other in the, in the 70s and in the 80s. Actually, Borg won six of them. And, well, for the most part, it was just feedback talking and telling stories from, you know, from the past. Borg, Borg would sometimes interrupt him, uh, I would say. Uh, but uh, it was definitely interesting to see that Borg is not what you may, see, not what you may think. Like, you know, the, the, the media sells a, a, you know, a portrait of a very cold guy who never shows any emotions. And yet he's really, you know, joking around and and all that stuff like he's definitely not not the image of of his personality that i had you know in my mind through through media portrayal of him is is it was it was definitely turned on its head when i when i attended that that was definitely something that i never really thought i would do attend the press conference press conference of Birnborg. but one thing i obviously did not like is that the tournament director said that they were going to invite the Borg family next year as well. <laughs> well, I mean, uh, th that's really cool that, that Bjorn Borg was there and you got to be in, in a press conference with him. Um, who knows? I mean, Leo Borg might be a, a top 20 player by this time next week. We never know. Probably not. Hopefully. I mean, I, I just <laughs> hope that he's going to be good enough to, to win in challengers because what, what's happening right now isn't helping him. And I think that's my biggest yeah. concern because you know, no one wants to lose 16 times in 17 professional matches. I'm counting uh, singles and doubles together. So uh, Yeah, I mean, get, get, getting out to some futures at some point would be something quite helpful to, to Leoborg. But he, he did play uh, a few futures this year. and uh, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, just like during the December, go to like... Antalya for for a month and see what you can do, uh, or otherwise just do training box and try and improve. Uh, but we should move on to Segovia, which Definitely, was the other yes. uh, ninety point challenger this week, and it was won by none other but the challenger tour number one so far this year, Benjamin Bonzi. Uh, a point for you, <laughs> and it was uh, a quite wild win over Tim van Rijthoven. Uh, seven six, twelve ten in the tiebreaker, three six, six four. Um, a great battle. I quite appreciated uh, the live band <laughs> during the changeovers. I thought that was a interesting touch. That I don't, I don't think I've seen that at a, at a challenger before or at any tournament. Uh, but yeah, Bonzi third title this year. He now has a huge gap at number one uh, in challengers this year. Let me just open it up. It's. 135 points between him and the number two, which we will talk about later. Um, but yeah, huge week, huge week for Bonzi. Um, he beat uh, he beat Adrian Andreev for his starter, which actually wasn't straightforward whatsoever. He got pushed to a third set tiebreaker, uh, and I thought that I would be right about what I said <laughs> about what I, was, what, I, what I said about him last week, where I said that I don't really trust him after his performance in Pozo Blanco, but then he proved me wrong. Beat Viola, Svarcina, Moreno de Alboran, and then Van Rijthoven. 
Uh, and we should talk a bit about Van Eitoven as well, who actually had quite a, a harder <laughs> journey to the final. Got also pushed very, very hard in his first match against Marc-Andrea Hisler, 7-5 in the third, and beat Jaziri Borg Grenier, who actually beat Feliciano Lopez in the quarterfinals before his finals lost to Bonzi. Um, I should also mention, I, I unfortunately didn't get to see him, uh, but we we had we had a, quite a breakout start in Nicolas Moreno de Alboran, uh, qualifying through Catarina Vega before beating Vani, and then the two finalists from oh, what was the challenger? Pozo Blanco called Pozo Blanco, yeah, <laughs> beat Ilkel and then Celik be like in straight sets back to back in the round of sixteen in quarterfinals before uh, losing to Bonzi in three. So didn't get to watch him this week, unfortunately. So I can't really uh, tell you much about his game, but we should definitely watch out for him for his name in the draws. It's it's quite easy to notice Moreno de Alboran. Um, we, we should also mention Dalibor Svarcina qualifying for for the for the quarterfinals. He also lost to Bonzi, as I mentioned. Um, actually, it wasn't having like a super impressive run where he dropped sets to Mansuri and Kozbinov in the qualifying and then got through because of a retirement from Ferreira Silva, but produced a pretty good win, 6-4 in the third over Olivo, and had a, had a decent showing against um, Bonzi. So the, the one of the younger of the of the Czechs, born in 2002, uh, hopefully starts catching up to his compatriots soon. Uh, and did, did you have any other thoughts on Segovia? Yeah. I, I picked Bonzi, as, as you already mentioned. Uh, I didn't get to watch much of this. Uh, I'm obviously very happy that Team Van Rijthoven uh, went this far because we mentioned him so many times on the podcast this year. He won a very high-stacked uh, ITF at BL like two or three months ago. So definitely not that surprised with it, but I mean, the, the, the combination of his serve and forehand is something that really started admiring this year and hopefully he, he gets to progress even more although he really should have won that final frankly i mean you just mm. can't be six one up in the in the tie break and lose it like that's hopefully yeah. the next one this next final is gonna be better and one more one more guy that deserves a mention although i couldn't see him is the absolutely crazy julio cesar porras who defeated hiroki moria and then took a set of feliciano lopez and this was actually his first ever pro match. He doesn't even have an ATP profile. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, I actually couldn't even find the age, find out what age he is. Like the, the, there's literally nothing on the guy. Uh, and I know uh, uh, he won a prequel. Is uh, you know a, a wild card tournament. Mm -hmm. Uh, a tournament for the wild for the main wildcard here, but he doesn't even have an ITF to, uh, profile. He doesn't have an ATP profile. Uh, so, 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 so he never even played juniors. It no, seems, right? No, he never did. He he, he is the Spanish Marcus Willis. Uh, we have to say. <laughs> I mean, yeah, but actually, even no way, even but, bigger, but, but, but yeah, even more so, yeah. because Willis Willis had an ITF career, uh, and this guy did not. I have no idea how it happens but i'm really curious what he's gonna do with it obviously after this week he's gonna have an atp profile uh super crazy stuff and you know it, it, it we really don't know anything about the guy if he's even gonna play any more events because obviously he has to start from the bottom 
So uh, maybe he just maybe he gets a wild card to something because of this run, like in Spain. Uh, I don't know, but but th this was just absolutely crazy to see. This this is probably the first time I've heard of something like that. That someone without uh, even even without a, a single match on the on the juniors tour suddenly comes to a to a tournament and you know wins maybe not maybe not against the most dangerous opponent but still a seasoned pro and then takes a set of lopez which is absolutely huge yeah th th this this is quite wild um I'll, I'll definitely watch the highlights that that exist of that match to try and figure out what he's about um th there's some website saying that he's argentine but he he's he's put no, down a spanish he's, he's spanish for sure but yeah, but but, but 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 so that's the thing. I'm not sure if he's actually Spanish or not, or if they just automatically put him down as Spanish because he was like a Spanish. No, but like in the in the draw, uh, I mean, I don't know. Like in the official draw, there must be his his you know his real nationality, right? So 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 apparently he's a tennis coach. He he's he's a tennis coach coaching and living in Spain. This website. Says that he's Argentinian. We'll we'll see if, if that's the true. Twenty-two year olds uh, that you're probably seeing the same yeah. as I am. Argentine. Okay, so they're saying he's an Argentinian. Uh, I don't know. I mean, th this is crazy. This is crazy. You know, just yeah. The, 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 they're also using like Cesar Porras as his last names, where I assume that Cesar is probably his middle name. No, no, no. We'll... I, I'm assuming that that it's you know. Julio and then Cesar Porras, just as I don't know, Pedro Martinez Portero. Uh, but but I also found uh, ESPN Deportes, like the you know the the Spanish version mm -hmm. of ESPN. I think it's actually South American version of ESPN even, and they're also saying he's an Argentinian, twenty-two year old. Yeah, he's, he's, he's a tennis coach from Argentina. He's he's made this. That's that's quite. That's impressive. I mean, yeah, the, now he has an ATP ranking. The ATP Challenger Tour uh, profile even tweeted about him that he's 22, but they didn't say anything about his age. But I guess we can safely assume that he's Argentinian right now. Okay. Um, yeah. <laughs> I, I I couldn't get couldn't get to watch him, but I will also try to make up on it. I mean, this is this this is definitely a. A bigger story than Marcus Willis, honestly. Like in in terms of she, the sheer <laughs> unbelievability of 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 what he did, because you know Willis was at least a pro. He 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 played he played ITF events. He just had uh, you know, two weeks when he played the best tennis of his life, and Porras is just out of nowhere. It's as as, as if he never really existed, and then just one day appeared at the pre-qualies event. How do you even actually get entry to that event? Like, do, does anyone? Any, I, anyone I, I assume it's just you, you just sort of sign up and then... Yeah, but I, I, I always thought that only the players from the can, you know, the, the country where the tournament is, is held. I mean, like, so, so, so apparently he, he, he does live in Spain and, and he coaches in yeah, Spain. Maybe that's why they, they allowed him, because I, I yeah. mean, um, you know, a, a guy on Twitter for example, used to play in, I think even last year, he played in the pre-qualies tournament for Sibiu, uh, for the challenger mm -hmm. in Sibiu. And then, then I, uh, I I remember there were only Romanians on the entry list. So maybe they allowed him because he, he's living in Spain. Yeah, so, so so this is absolutely crazy. He's going to have eight points in the rankings, took a set off, <laughs> Feliciano Lopez. 
Um, crazy story. I'm definitely I'm, I'm putting him amongst my favorites in my Resultina app so I can follow him further, see, see, see if he ever plays another tournament yeah, again. If there's gonna be any results, because I, I guess I, you know if you're if you're taking a set of Feliciano Lopez, then you're probably gonna be tempted to try yourself, right? Absolutely, yeah. Um, so yeah, what, what, so now now that we've gone, the, the the other thing that like makes me say that that Cesar Porras is probably like Cesar is probably his middle name is because Cesar tends to be more of a name, and also uh, the person who tweeted out the picture of him uh, after he beat uh, Moria put put him, put him down in the tweet as Julio Porras, but I assume mm-hmm. that just like um, yeah, because because like I don't think that. Like yeah, the, that, that doesn't the, work the with the other Spanish names. On. Yeah, because because it's you're never gonna say Pablo Busta. It's Pablo Carreño or Pablo Carreño yeah. Busta. So I, I don't know. So yeah, we'll, we'll see if we see JC on the tour again. Um, yeah, should we move on to Lexington? Yeah, sure. Yeah, Lexington was was the last final to finish up today. And what a final it was. <laughs> uh, Jason Kubler, back-to-back finals on different continents uh after after reaching the final uh and losing in nur sultan last week he well, not even losing makes... right he he retired and then oh yeah yeah he, I, I forgot that he retired from that one yeah three days Somehow... later he's in like sync talent <laughs> and, and he's he's playing amazing uh but, but yeah beat alejandro tabilo the the six seed seven five six seven seven five what a match. Um, throughout the week, he started with beating Emilio Gomez, who was one of the guys that I talked about, beat him 7-6 in the third. Then Aiden McHugh, Genaro Alberto Oliveri, uh, Ernesto Escobedo, and then Tabilo. So probably not the hardest run you're, you're ever going to get for a challenger title after after Gomez, but Escobedo has been in good form. Um, but yeah, that doesn't take anything away, away from it for the 28-year-old. Um, the, the, you get to see much of Kubler? Um, I saw the final and I saw just like a couple of matches. I definitely didn't mm-hmm. expect Tabilo, you know, his first challenger final to be on hard courts. Yeah. That came to me as a surprise, but I was I was definitely positively, you know, shocked with how uh, how well he can play on these hard courts because you know the win against Kokinakis was very high quality. The final had it had its up, ups and downs, but I think also uh, you know I wouldn't really before this week I wouldn't have really expected Tabilo to uh, to play this well. Uh, I liked uh, seeing Darian King beating Maxim Cressy as much as I like Cressy. I mean King right now he's pretty much coaching Sloyd Stevens, and you know he just shows up with his very pushy play style and just defeats someone like Cressy. That was that was pretty fun. The, the, the sheer contrast of, of styles in that match was something I definitely enjoyed. Yeah, uh, yeah we, we should also talk about Jesse Brooksby was was in this tournament um, and he didn't win it, which is sort of surprising for Brooksby nowadays. Um, uh, so, so yeah, he, he beat Liam Draxel in straight sets. Then he actually um, got a retirement from Ulysses Blanche being one set down. After Blanche won the first set, and uh, it was six-five Brooksby in the in the second, and then he lost to Tanasi Kokinakis, which is not not a bad loss. Obviously, Kokinakis is a, is a brilliant tennis player. Six-four uh, in the third, so sort of surprising for Brooksby, who we both picked, right? I'm pretty sure we both yep. picked him for this title. Definitely. Yeah. 
but obviously he, he can't win all of them, but he, he's still a, a very talented player and potentially uh, a, a breakthrough player to watch for the ATP uh, level next year. Yeah, Tabilo, very interesting run where I didn't really think about him much after his first two wins. He, he beats uh, Stefan Dostanic and Stefan Kozlov. Uh, six two six seven six two six two. I thought. I mean, that Tabula is mostly clay court too, but he he still has some level <laughs> on hard courts. And then he showed that level uh, with wins over Ramanathan and Kokinakis, uh, and then a, a very very solid performance in the final. So yeah, quite exciting week for for in Lexington, even though it was without Mike Cation on the commentary, unfortunately. <laughs> but the guy did okay. The, the, the he was alright, but. Did okay. He, he is no Cation, unfortunately. So. Yeah. I mean, that, <laughs> I mean who would you gonna... Who, who would be a good replacement for Mike Cation? Ah. Uh, yeah, I, I have no idea. So we should move on to the last one of this week. One where I got a point. <laughs> uh, Trieste in, in Italy, where Tomas Martin Echeveri, third seed, beat uh, Thiago Agustin Tirante, who had an amazing week until the final. Uh, Echeverri beat him 6-1-6-1. Uh, this makes the score in our game 5-3 to three to you, I think, after this week. Yep. We both had, both, both had a good week, one pick each. Um, yeah, uh, Echeverri, very strong week, only lost one set, beat Ugo Carabelli, then lost the set to Hase in the, in the second round. And then beat Sachko 6-4-6-4, Skatov 7-5-7-5, and Tirante 6-1-6-1, which is a lovely symmetry <laughs> throughout the run uh, with, you know, same, same set scores mm-hmm. in both sets. Um, yeah, Echeverri, I, I said that he's, he's going to break through this year after after a run of semifinals, and he's he's proving me right. So thank you very much. Um but yeah, Tiago Agustin Tirante uh, qualified for this event after beating Arnaldi Infonio, beat uh, very struggling Andrea Pellegrino, then Bonadio lose, uh, and sort of surprising upset over Damir Chumhur, 6 3 6 3 in the semis. Didn't really turn up for the final, which unfortunately I was working <laughs> during, so I couldn't watch that one. But I'll definitely watch it back and see what happened in that one because he, he was having a, a great week. Didn't drop a set until that point. Uh, and then only won two games in the final, so definitely need to investigate what, what happened there. Uh, other people with strong weeks, I thought Flavio Capaldi was quite good, beat Verbensky, then Huang, and very, very nearly beat Skatov in a, a 7-6, 1-6, 6-7 loss. Uh, Skatov himself uh, also was a qualifier here uh, and made the semis which was very good showing. Had, had a pretty good match against uh, Stricker, 6-4 in the third. That was interesting, fun to watch. Um, and so, so yeah, do, do you think there's anybody here that we should discuss in this Tiesta draw? Mm, not really, I don't think so. Uh, I I couldn't watch the, the, the final either. I was on the actually on the train back home, uh, but I saw that Echeverri lost just six points on serve in the entire match. And actually none on his second serve. Like he had like a crazy first serve percentage and won six out of six on, on his first serve. 
So the, the final was like 75 minutes despite seeing being 6-1-6-1. But I, I, you know, from the stats that I saw, I mean, it was, you know, long games on Tirantes' serve and then mm. Echeverry just blitzed through his service games. I didn't expect it to be this comfortable, definitely. Though I, I don't think anyone did. But I mean, fair, fair point, uh, you picked Echeverry, uh, so, you know. <laughs> Good job to you. Yeah, we, 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 we should, should remember who you picked in this one. Uh, uh, yeah, I mean, that was my my weird B strategy that uh, that I went with, with Fabiano. Uh, but I, I remember I also mentioned that if I was picking seriously, I would probably go for Echeverry as well. So, I mean, yeah. I'm kind of bummed about it, but okay. I actually could have been even, you know, I could have done even better with my B strategy yeah, in, in Poznan. <laughs> if, I, uh, if I went with Bernabe, not with Botic, then... I would have. Yeah, would that, have that's that, that, that's that's twice as many bees. So that that, yeah. that was that was where you made your first mistake. Right. And then Jason Kubler, also potential to for a point there. Yeah, but I mean, you know, if if there was Brooksby and uh, yeah, you know, Cooper, yeah, Brooksby was a stronger for, pick. Had to go for had to go for Brooksby. But I'm definitely you know, uh, the, I think the mistake was not picking Fabiano over Echeverry. I think the mistake was beating uh, picking Botic over over uh Bernabe but anyhow I yeah. guess yeah to, this week I don't really have any strategies it's easier to make a strategy when you you know when there's when there are four picks than when there yeah. are two so yeah sh should we go to the upset of the week oh um, yeah I forgot about that yeah so, so so I'll start with mine mine was a bit um odd where I actually had a, a higher seated and higher ranked player as the upset um, you look very surprised, but my upset of the week was Alejandro Tabilo over Tanasi Kokinakis, 7-6-6-7-6-3 in the semifinals. Um, that, that, that was like like the win that really like sort of surprised me where, you know, Dostani, Kozlov, not really like challenger level players. Of course, Ramanatan was in good form. Uh, Tabilo beat him. But yeah, Kokinakis, after beating Brooksby, losing to Tabilo, that was a huge surprise to me. So that was my upset of the week. I respect that pick after after Kokinakis Brooksby. I definitely expected the cock to just you know stomp everyone <laughs> towards the end of the week. Just get that get that confidence. Just a stomping uh, cock. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Uh, yeah, I kind of said it on purpose, but anyhow. Uh, upset of the week, I went with the easy one. So Julio Cesar Porras over, over Moria. And the more I'm thinking about this, I think you're right with the theory that Cesar is the second name. Uh, yeah. Because, you know, I just looked like at it. Genaro Alberto Olivieri and the other guys. Like, Spanish people don't seem to have these sort of things. So, you know, the you know, Martinez Portero, Zapata Mirales, etc. So, so I guess you're, I guess you're right with that. After, after we established that he's Argentinian, which was actually really hard. <laughs> it's not what we're used to in tennis. And for much of the week, I went with Brooksby Kokinakis. Uh, maybe nice. not the highest drama, but I thought the quality was amazing. I think maybe some of the listeners are gonna be surprised that I didn't go for anything from Poznan. Mm -hmm. I was pretty surprised with it too. But I mean. Uh, there wasn't really that one match that I could single out. Maybe Sapata Mirales Popko. That was that that was a great watch. Uh like for the for sheer drama, that, that was definitely uh what I enjoyed the most in Poznan. 
but I, I you know, I, I would probably have to stick with Brooksby Kokinakis for 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 the highest quality match on the Challenger Tour that I watched this week. Yeah, for, for me, match of the week, I already talked about it quite a bit, but it was Benjamin Bonzi over Tim Van Rijthoven, uh, 7-6, 3-6, 6-4, with that first set tie break going 12-10 to Bonzi, to Bonzi, as you said, Van Rijthoven, 6-1 <laughs> lead. Uh, it was just, it was high drama, it was a final, everything on the line. Um, two guys have, have, having strong weeks. Um, live band, which I'm still, I can't stop talking about it. It was <laughs> so, so surprising. Yes, actually. Uh, quite interesting. When you said that, I do have a very, like a very vivid memory of being at a tournament where there was a live band. I can't quite place it, but I think it might have been Marseille last year. Hmm. Interesting. Uh, I I don't know if I have any way of confirming that. Like I I might have tweeted about it or something. So I'm gonna look for it later. But I I, mm. I was definitely at an indoors event with a live band. And if, you know if it was Bratislava, you would remember that. Yeah. So no. It, no it, live band in Bratislava. I think it has to be Marseille. I, I I'm pretty sure it has to be Marseille 2020. But uh, I, I'm not super convinced, but I definitely was at an event, at, a, at an indoors event with a live band. Because I guess, well, actually, Segovia was not an indoors event, but I mean, it's 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 the easiest to to do at, at an indoors event. Yeah, I mean, the, the, the band sounded quite like acoustic. I don't think that they had to like plug much stuff in except for the microphone for 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 the singer but yeah they, they, they did like a variety of like bits of like spanish songs that you that you would probably hear uh they, they had a male singer they had a female singer it was I, I i didn't see them so i can't fully confirm that there was a live band but 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 they, it very much sounded live like all of the music it sounded uh like live music so yeah very nice touch do it again next year so i mean yeah every tournament should have a live band i think i think that would be interesting <laughs> An interesting element uh, for the Challenger Tour. Anyway, should we go to the draw previews? Yes, of course. So, so let's start because it's the first in my list with with Cordenons, uh, which is another Italian Challenger, only ninety kilometers away from Trieste. So it was a nice, easy drive for the guys who played it last week. Not a lot of travel, um, and we have our top seats. Uh, two guys who haven't played uh, challengers this year yet. We have Stefano Travaglia, uh, who last played a challenger at, at Prostyov um, in 2020. He's he's been having a, a sort of mediocre year, but you know it's it, it's on the main tour, so it keeps him in the top 100. Uh, he starts against Pavel Kotov, and then potentially Tirante, the finalist from last week, or or Halis. And our second seed is Gilles Simon, who's somebody that we, that we don't really associate with Challenger Tour tennis. Uh, he, he did play a couple in 2020, uh, the, the most recent being uh, Axon Provence. Actually, no, he, he only played Axon Provence. Uh, and before that, he played in Irving 2018, because that, that, was the last, that was the last time that he won a match at a Challenger. Yeah, Simon has been uh, really just sort of, sort of bad this year. Um, I, I think that he was, he announced that he was like taking a break from the tour mm -hmm, at one yeah. point. Uh, so after yeah. Month, yeah a, and, and then he came back like after a month or something. So. Yeah. I mean, he, he is, I think 36 now and with, with the way that he plays tennis, which is just very physical running side to side. 
I, th I think that starts to go quite quickly when you play that sort of game. Uh, but he starts against Gianmarco Moroni, which is not uh, the toughest of draws. It's an, it's an adequate challenger level draw. Um, and then he has either João Menezes or, or Marcelo Tomás Barrios Vera. Um, yeah, somebody else that we should talk about, uh, Tomás Martín Echeverri, is in this draw. Um, and he starts against Renzo Olivo, who he has actually uh, a 0-2 a head-to-head -head against. So we'll see if he makes it out of the, out of the first round. Um, some very, very intriguing qualifiers. We talked about him a lot today, Nicolás Kiker. Is, is into the final qualifying round. So if, if he makes it through, he's going to be definitely an, an impact player. Three of the qualifying spots are kind of easy here. We, we have one, at, one against Pellegrino, who's been struggling. One against Luca Nardi, who's a 17-year-old wildcard. And one against Hugo Delian, who's who's also not been great. Well, Cerundolo also hasn't been great. So. Yeah, that's that's also true. Yeah, Francisco Cerundolo <laughs> Hasn't been amazing. Yeah. Other qualifiers maybe that could be interesting are Timofey Skatov and Alejandro Gonzalez. Uh, yeah, anything else that you want to talk about here in Cordenons? Uh Yeah, I mean, for me, Moroni, I think that there, there weren't that, that many tougher draws, like in terms of unseeded players for Simo. I think he kind of... I mean, I, I, I would say Echeverri was definitely a yeah, tougher draw. Yeah, Echeverri, Collar. Tabilo. Yeah, I mean, Tabilo, is he going to be that tough? I mean, he, yeah, I mean, he, he, he does have to travel. Yeah, from, I don't know if he's going to play this. It's, it, I wouldn't be surprised if he pulls out or something, but I mean, mm. he's going to be jacked like this hell. But, that, you know, <laughs> I, I'm definitely expecting Varias to beat him. I am actually still struggling on the on the winner here. Like, the, the, there's a really good section there with Gaio, Marigeni, Alves, Echeverri, Olivo, Collage. I'm skipping Lorenzi and then Tabilo and Varias. That's that's a really who, huge section. Who actually actually Paolo Lorenzi, two-time champion here in Cordenons from 2012 and 2018. So put no. some respect on his name. No, no respect. I, I love him, but, but I, I, I don't know. I mean, I'm sorry, Paolo, but I mean Zdenek Collage is is in very good form right now. I, I just I just don't see him progressing past this. I'm, I I would love to be wrong. I hope I'm wrong. Uh, I, I really like the premise of Alice Tirante in the in the first round. That's that's definitely gonna be something that I want to watch. Uh, then 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 the the, you know, the section I mentioned, Caio Meligani, Tabio Varias. That that's gonna be another blockbusters. And I think I can just go to my peak. Like right now, I I, I kind of want to change it, but okay, I'm gonna stay with what I wrote before, and it's gonna be Stefano Trevaglia. Uh, mm. Sort of easy. Top like... seed, Stefano Travaglia. Yeah, exactly. So sort of, you know, sort of the easiest you could go. But I mean, as you said, I don't. I think he's having a rather mediocre year in, you know, in main tour standards. But I think he, especially if he gets a few wins early, he can definitely speed up. Though, you know, against Kotov, he really shouldn't struggle that much on clay. So. So the Alice Tirante is obviously a, a very tough opponent coming for him in the second round, but I think just the, the the quality of Travaglia really is over the the one that you usually have on the Challenger Tour, and I think he's he's proved that quite a lot in in recent years, 
and I I don't know. I just feel like he's le- the level with which he's been, you know, sort of going win lose win win loss win loss win loss at uh, at main tour is probably good enough to to make him you know to give him a deep run here. Yeah, I mean, Travali is a very strong pick in my projection here. I, I put him into my final. So, so he was sort of like the, the, the like one of the two guys that I went down to. Something I wanted to quickly mention was that we have a, a, a decent chance, not, I'm not going to say great chance, a decent chance of the set and double brothers meeting for the first time in a professional match. Uh, it's, it's, a pot- it's a potential quarterfinal matchup. The section isn't super strong, but they're not in great form either. Well, that's so a that very good chance, some- actually, I think. I didn't even yeah, look at yeah. that. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I, I feel like Bonadio could be the spoiler there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and of course, depends on who Kika, the qualifier yeah. is. If it's, if it's Kika or Skatov, I think then the odds mm-hmm. drop quite a bit. Um, but yeah, I went for somebody. You, you don't really like picking top seeds. I don't really like picking guys out of um, strong sections, but it's what I did here. I'm going for Juan Pablo Barrias, who had a very strong spring from from march to to may he was kind of incredible uh and, and was getting consistent um big results you know when, when biela made the final of zagreb the week right after uh then before made the semis in in santiago and in rome uh and also made a quarterfinal at the, at the 250 in, in santiago as a, as a qualifier so i feel like he can sort of regain that here as we as we head into another clay swing uh before the us open for some reason there's there's no more hardcore <laughs> hardcore uh events in the us on the challenger tour um which Ilya marchenko was speaking about he was not happy so for guys who are playing us open qualifying i don't, I don't know what they're supposed to do but <laughs> unlucky so yeah juan pablo varias uh here I, he's he's going to be my pick for the winner yeah, when I said I was like you know, thinking of changing my pick at the last moment, I was thinking of changing that to Varias. So, ah. uh, yeah, I definitely, I definitely Great like that. Think alike. <laughs> yes, I definitely like that pick as well. Uh, and then we have Liberets. I was actually thinking of of going there, mm-hmm. uh, you know, for like a tennis tour, uh, Poznań, then Liberec, <laughs> then Merbusz, then uh, whatever that, that German city is, and then Warsaw. But, you know, I ended up not, uh, you know, deciding to have breaks. I'm actually going on holiday this, this week. Nice. Uh, but I'll probably, I'll probably be able to watch quite a bit. Like it's, uh, I'm, I'm going to hike in the, I'm going to hike in the Tatras actually. So quite oh. a rally yeah nice nice and i think i'm only gonna be hiking on two days so probably you know it's not gonna interfere that much with my challenge as long as you get schedule. internet there <laughs> uh, yeah i mean obviously i'm not gonna get internet uh when i'm, uh, when, I'm when i'm hiking but but back you know back at the hotel room or whatever it's gonna be i don't mm. know I didn't make the reservations, uh, but I, 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 I hope there's Wi-Fi there. Uh, yes, yeah. So so anyhow, I didn't go to Liberets, but it's a very good draw for for a Challenger 80, yes. I think. And and that's what makes me jealous a bit. Uh, there's a, there's some very huge first-round matches for me, like Mike Shak-Popko. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. with, with Popko's form last week, I'm, I'm really not sure if, if Kamil can win this. 
but we shall see. Then we've got Jonas Foretek and Dalibor Scina, which obviously I'm a, I'm a big fan of the young Czechs. So anytime they, they clash together, it's actually going to be pretty telling in terms of Scina, I think. Like Foretek is really not playing that well right now. He he's been yeah. So 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 Svercina won their won their first two meetings, or mm-hmm. I mean, their only two meetings so far. But they haven't played since 2018, so that's going to be very revealing in what their level is now. Exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah, we, we should also say top seed is Yuji Veseli. Um, he, he he has been trying to play these um, like like Czech clay events, and, and he also played, I think, like. Uh, um, Oerash, he's not been good because he's not very good on clay uh, in general. <laughs> well, he defeated Novak Djokovic on clay. Well, yeah, that that one time. Uh, he's also lost to you know some. Like, I, I, <laughs> he's, also, I, he's also lost to Tobias Kamke on, on clay maybe, this year. Um, <laughs> but I mean, back in the day, it was considered his best surface, right? Like I, I, I'm not. It shouldn't have been. I mean, I, 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 I don't like, think like, like he, he had a good result. But... No, I mean, I'm looking at at uh, you know the the sheer amount of matches that he played in his career on different surfaces, and out of what is it like 600, uh, f- over 300 are on clay. Like he literally was maybe not a clay court specialist, but like he focused no. on clay. <laughs> Okay, we we cannot say on this podcast that that Yuji Vesely was a clicker specialist. I mean, I, I, yes, I, I, but I, in I, rec- I, he did focus yeah, on clay. I, I I think that that's just sort of because he he was a challenger player for most of it. He he wanted to play in Europe as opposed to Asia or the US, so he had to play clay instead of playing hard, which would have probably been beneficial to him because he is a better hardcore player. And I mean, he's he's better on on indoor. He's, I'm not going to disagree with that. Like, he, he, he's a fast surface player. Like, when you look at his game, you cannot say that he's a clay court player. Just, uh, like, 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 of course, he has played majority, majority of his matches on clay because, you know, there's a lot of clay check challenges, so he feels sort of obligated almost to play those. He, he lives in Europe. He trains in Europe, so he wants to sort of, like, keep himself in Europe for most of the season. So, yeah, but I, 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 he, he, he beat Novak Djokovic at Monte Carlo that one time, I think. But yeah, uh, he's, he's, not a, he's not a clay player. <laughs> no, that, I mean, that, said, that said, he has a very nice draw here. He seen, against like, have you seen that, that, uh, you know, uh, the, the challenger finals that he made? Like, he, he has seven titles and four finals. Do you know how many of these he scored on clay? Of these eleven of finals, <laughs> ten. Yeah, I mean, yeah, because because I mean, like, like he only gets to play, uh, like, like hard or indoor hard challengers for for like a month and a half out of the year, I mean, but, but, and, but and the rest of it he can play on clay. He he has one uh, challenger final on something as than clay, and it's carpet. But I mean, I, I don't know. I just don't buy into that whole, uh, you know, uh, storyline that Iji Vesely is poor on clay. And uh, it's not the first time I've heard it. Like uh, I, I definitely agree that he's been very poor this year. But I mean, for the mo- for 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 the most part of his career, we've I think we've actually known him as a player that prioritizes clay. I I feel like he prioritizes playing in Europe more than he prioritizes. I mean I mean like, like, like Wimbledon has been his best slam by far. His his two ATP titles have been on hard. Um, 
and and I think and I think that's his best surface. Like like looking at his game, he is not a clay court player. And and we're going to see when he loses to Filip Horansky in the second round. No, he's gonna, he's not going to. I don't think, but he could. <laughs> like I don't. Th- he, I mean, he's not winning this tournament. He's not like a favorite for this tournament for me. Yeshiva Sali. For me, for me neither. But. No, I mean, so, 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 so like the section is quite easy. He has Jaziri, then Vukic or Horansky, second round. And then quarters, he has Polmans as a seed. Potentially, Verbensky, this is like a great opportunity for him to make a run um, on, on, on challengers. Then Marterer, uh, who's been kind of struggling, Nagal. So, I mean, if he's going to have a run here, Vesely or Verbensky, this is the time for them. They, they have quite an easy draw. Um, Somebody who also has an easy draw to start, at least, is Andre Martin, two-time champion in in Liberal in Liberets. He opens against Gerald Meltzer with the protected ranking, um, which I mean, I think Martin should win. He's not been great, uh, but he should definitely win. Then, however, he gets uh, Timan Reithoven as his second round or qualifier. Uh, so that that should be a real test. Uh, although Van Reithoven coming off of uh, a hard court uh, week. So we'll see how, how well he can switch them. Potentially Mahac in the quarters. We'll we'll see how, how that goes. But so so who for me is the best player in this draw is Talon Griekspor. Uh though I am not very confident in him because because he did retire, was it was it two weeks ago, I think, from, from Hamburg? No, against not not Hamburg. Um against Per Ah, sorry, it was Hamburg, yeah. So so that's gonna yeah. be more than two weeks against Per, yes. Uh, no, it's, it's two weeks. It wasn't oh, no, so, so, sorry, Gestad. Yeah, it was in Hamburg. In Hamburg, Berankis retired against Per, right? Yes. Yeah. My bad. Uh, he opens against Borna Goyo and then potentially as Lehechka in the second round. If Lehechka, I mean, I think Lehechka is going to play. I don't think he's going to be at his best, though. Um, yeah. I mean, like, I'm two, also not expecting him to, to win. Back. Yeah, it's it's going to yeah. be a bit too much if he has to play Greek sport than maybe Van der Zandshoop. That's. Yeah, no. yeah and, and also in the same section, Van der Zandshoop, uh, Sachko, and Klein. So, Kriegspor, if he's not fully fit yet, I, I can see him losing before the quarters. Um, anything else before we go to the picks? Yeah, in the qualities, there's a very interesting section where either Daniel Sinyakov or David Vega Hernandez are going to make the main draw. <laughs> I mean, Sinyakov, we've seen at... What was that event where he lost to Baez, like Prague or something? Like, oh, uh, yeah. And he won a game, if I remember correctly. Uh, I mean, that obviously yeah. wasn't the most impressive performance. I remember you kind of, you know, kind of writing him off before the tournament started, and you were perfectly right. And then he defeated Blancano, who's definitely not playing well at the moment. Even against Shevchenko in the qualities uh, at Poznan, he won two games. Against Sinyakov, he won five. Well, I guess we can safely assume that Shevchenko is slightly better than Sinyakov at the moment. <laughs> but I mean, Sinyakov is actually has a very good chance of making it out because he's playing Vega Hernandez, yeah. who is like, I don't know when he, he last played he, singles, he, he, but... He, he's a double specialist. Yeah. Uh, he last played singles in 2019. He played a 15K in uh, in Gran Canaria. Yeah, yeah his he, current he's, he's ranking a double in specialist. singles is nine, nine, uh, 1987. So, I mean, <laughs> yeah, but he defeated Thomas Bellucci. And, I mean, it's just a new low for Bellucci because Sad. when he lost to David Poliak uh, in Poznan, 
and that was already sad and <laughs> like losing to david vega hernandez is um, a step even further backwards which is so yeah. weird like uh Bellucci stayed in poznan for a couple more days he practiced normally he wasn't injured or anything i i don't know i just i just i just can't get the grip of, of what's going yeah, on yeah i mean the that, guy. that has to be he has to retire at the end of this year because like, like 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 his ranking is low to the point now that now that he has to play qualities for pretty much every challenger he's he's out of the top 300 it's 33 years old um yeah if and, it you know, goes I mean, like he, that he, he's he, not he, he was a, he was a top 30 player and he was like a top 50 player for a very long time he was very consistent 21st uh, i think yeah yeah up to 21st and i mean he he, he was okay last year he, you know he, he had some okay results but this year it's just been yeah, i actually went yikes. to check who was the favorite in Sinyakov vega hernandez because i had absolutely no idea <laughs> and yeah. it turns out it's Sinyakov, but by uh, you know by just a little bit but i mean this is it's crazy that one of these guys is gonna make the main draw and then you have fairness molecker for example <laughs> Yeah, I mean, so so I, I would probably say Sinyakov is the favorite as well, based on, um, I mean, it's not that relevant, but 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 I did see Krzysztof Minarik beat Filip Polashek back when the when the uh, pandemic tours were happening within the countries, and, and he beat him in straight sets, which I was very surprised by because Polashek obviously top ten doubles player, where Minarik is, you know, he's he's twenty, uh, and he was never like like a great junior. Um, and, and you know it's sort of like like he has a ranking it's not it's not really high uh so i mean taking that and considering that Sinyakov is a better junior than minarik ever was and vega hernandez is a worse doubles player i feel like i feel like Sinyakov should be the favorite there very interesting logic there <laughs> i mean we, sh we shall see uh, that, that's really a match that's you know uh, the the guys you know who put down the odds probably had a lot of a bit of a nightmare trying to think of <laughs> yes. you know, what might happen there like they they actually had a nightmare because Sinyakov and Vega Hernandez won because you know these were huge upsets but anyhow uh like okay so maybe we should just go to the peak then I think we're already at like I don't know mm -hmm. 70 minutes or something and then we're yeah. also gonna have to insert the interviews <laughs> uh, so if you're still listening to that, thank you. And <laughs> you're ready for the 90-minute podcast. <laughs> Yay. And uh, then uh yeah, I was thinking of Greek sport, but as you said, injury concern. Then I was thinking of Botic again, but as I said, I was not not too impressed with him this week. So I went for someone whom I said that has a very good chance of losing in his opening match. But once he gets over that. I kind of like the draw, and I went with Kamil Maikshak, an optimistic pick. Ah, um, that that's very interesting, considering that he's probably an outsider in his in his opening round. But you don't. No, um, he's not. He's he he's a substantial favorite actually. Oh, is I he check, actually? I checked that. Yeah, I was surprised that he was a favorite to this extent. Uh, I mean. I'm, I'm trying to remember sure what Maikashak's recent form has been like. Uh, um, well, lost at the Olympics uh, in the first round to Ketsmanovic, but just before that, there were the Polish national champs, which he won. Uh, oh, that's good. Well, yeah. scored wins over Zhuk and uh, Kashnikovsky, the, the 
the, the, the our junior i can't remember what else but like these were the these were the two biggest ones i'm not sure if that's actually going to count for something but he should have some confidence at least i might i might put some money on popko if he's a if he's a big outsider mm, there 250 um, <laughs> 250 or something from what i said yeah, maybe maybe put it in a parlay anyway what if i told you that i also picked somebody from that same section um i went for Alex Molchan, of course, yeah. number eight seed. Uh, he's having a, a, a great season. He's he's had a couple of weeks off after Hamburg, where uh, he reached the second round as a qualifier with you know good, good wins. Beat Horansky handily. Beat O'Connell, who's a, who's a great recruiter, but beat him. Beat Mager. Uh, pushed Lajovic to to three sets. And Molchan is really having a breakthrough year that I just did not see coming. Um, so I think that he will continue it here, especially being in the top half, which seems quite a bit weaker uh, compared to the to, compared to the names and players in form in the bottom half. So Alex Molchan, the champion for me. Okay. Uh, yeah, uh, I, I actually looked at at Mike Schach's recent results as well. Like, b- besides the the championships, he hasn't played clay since Ron Garros so mm-hmm. it is a kind of a wild card from me I actually remember I picked Mike Shack once before this this year and he lost like first round or something uh yeah in Prague actually okay this is just the third no okay he played in Nottingham as well but this is just the fifth challenger Mike Shack is playing this year and second on clay I didn't realize he uh, you know he contested so many main tour events uh, but anyhow, he also played Bundesliga today and defeated oh, Damir Zumhur. Uh, so I think this is, you know, this is the the, the thing that's going to help him. That win over Zumhur in straight sets is <laughs> exactly what's going to bring the win, the victory to him. So, yeah, I mean that that, that worked so well for for Tirante last week after he beat him in the semis, only won two games. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah, just to recap, the last laugh, yeah. Just to recap, uh, I picked the lower seeds in Juan Pablo Varias and Alex Molchan, and a former critic of picking high seeds, uh, Damian picked uh, Stefano Trevalia and Camille Meijerjak. Yeah, guilty as charged. I'm I'm a I'm a hypocrite. Uh, yep. Anyhow, sorry for delivering to you this extremely long podcast. Uh, you know, at least the interviews. Are but also, the- you're welcome. I mean, if if you if you like listening to us, you get more of us. Uh, so there you go. Yeah, uh, you know the at least the interviews are in the beginning. So if if that's what you came for, then uh, then you already left. Uh, but anyhow, see you uh, see you next week when we're gonna talk about uh, Cordenons and Liberets. Bye. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. 
Hope all of you enjoyed another ATP Challenger-centric edition of the Great Shot Podcast. A thank you, as always, to hosts Damian Kust and Jakob Bobro for taking the time to share their show with us. You are not going to find two people better tuned into all of the action happening at the Challenger level, and there really is so much action happening week in, week out at the Challenger. So if you're missing out, you're missing out on some serious, exceptional tennis. So thank you to them for talking about it, shedding a light on the fantastic action. Of course, course we're talking everything else that's happening in the tennis world right now as well here at cracked rackets if you've missed any of it you can find it on our website crackrackets.com on the mini break podcast we've breaking down the broken down the day in day out results talk casper Ruud's three titles in three weeks john isner winning his sixth atlanta title and so much more of course if you missed any of that of course like rate subscribe review to this podcast the mini break podcast cracked interviews podcast and all of our cracked racket shows if you need the more immediate updates twitter Instagram, Facebook, YouTube. We are at Cracked Rackets. You want to message me directly? I am at Great Shot Pod. A shout out as always to our super producers, Max Flinger and Daniel Westa, for the f- of an editing job they do day in, day out. A shout out as well to our friends over at Turner Tennis. Remember, it's sales at uniquesports.com or call 800 3707. With all that said, for our wonderful hosts, Damian and Jakob, our super producers, Fligner and Westoff, our friends at Turna Tennis, and from all of us here at both Crack Rackets and the Tennis Channel Podcast Network, I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. You know what we say. Hey, great shot, and we will see you all tomorrow. Thanks, everyone.